Okay, so I'm really pleased to introduce Heather Binning. She's the founder of Women's Rights Network, which is a rapidly growing grassroots network of women from England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, and whose primary focus is to defend the sex-based rights of women. Um, she's talking about the reports, when we are at our most vulnerable, the sickening extent of rapes and sexual assaults in hospitals. Thank you so much, Heather, for coming on and over to you. I'm in England, but Women's Rights Network uh, that uh, I founded is UK based. So it's all four nations. We have about 2000 women across the UK in our network in local groups. And we also now have a Women's Rights Network in Canada and a Women's Rights Network in Australia. I'm going to be coming back on in a couple of weeks to talk about that and some other things. So meanwhile, you can uh, Google or do a Twitter search on those two organisations if you if, if you want to know more. Anyway, I'm here to talk about the report when we are at our most vulnerable um, that I'm, I'm pretty sure most people um, caught up in this um, ideology in the UK will know about. I'm not so sure whether uh, uh, any overseas viewers will know about it but what happened and it's had it's had significant impact so what happened was that um one of our one of our groups or local groups did a, a freedom of information request of the of the police in their county and said how many rapes and sexual assaults have there been in hospitals within their area and the numbers that came back were absolutely as, astonishing it was in you couldn't believe this is something is something wrong or is this indicative of what's happening across the country so uh we thought let's do a big uh uh project on it and let's do freedom of information requests to all police forces uh and there's uh, 43 police forces so we did that's taken a long time a uh, small team working on it um solidly chasing up Pulling the numbers together, getting responses, going back—it's it's—it's uh, it, it's not it's not an easy thing. It's not you know you send off a you know submit a form and then you get an answer back. Um, so there's a lot more toing and froing than that. And um, we the way the uh, our network is set up, we 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 bunch together people that work in particular sectors as well as having a geographical locations. Um, so for instance, teachers or um, people that have got specific interests in sports or knowledge on, on the sports and they work up sort of campaign projects so we've got an academics group and uh went into the academics group and say listen we're gathering all this information it looks pretty horrendous is anybody here would like to take it on write a report and professor joe phoenix who some of you may know from um she was open university she's now pursuing court case with them um for um uh, I can't remember the exact terms, but uh, dismissal for harassment, basically. And um, uh, so she took it, she's a professor in criminology. She's now at Reading University. And so she said, yeah, she'd take it on. Perfect person for this, perfect background and knowledge for putting this report together. So report came, working on it for months, and the results are six and a half thousand rapes and sexual assaults across the UK. In hospitals, and this is private and NHS. 2,000 of those numbers were rapes. 1,000 of those numbers, we don't know how many rapes, how many sexual assaults, were actually on hospital wards. We presume when we say wards, we're talking about inpatients here. That is actually 35 of the police forces that responded 
um, two is the 43 police forces, only 35. Not that they didn't respond, but they find some way not to provide us with the information. Usually reasons that fundamentally come down to cost. And they're allowed to, if it goes over, the costs are estimated to be over £600, you're allowed to refuse a freedom of information request. So it, it, the, the data was difficult to match up because they're all, you know, recording them in different uh, in different ways. But we, we did our best. One force, at least one, one force we, we know of because they were upfront about it, say they didn't include any data with numbers less than five. So we had to count zero because we don't know it could be four, it could be three, it could be could be so we could count zero for that. Of course, we've got the missing police forces, and we've got knowledge that um universally these crimes go unreported predominantly. So we can estimate, we can have a good guess that the real numbers of people that are and predominantly women, we're talking in the 90 plus percentages, of course, of these crimes committed by men against women. Um, and they're just, you know, there's three incidences of gang rape, two on a female, one on a male. Nine, we know of nine children. Now, this is where forces have given us those sorts of information. So there's a lot more unpicking that can be done and will be done. We'll go on to pursue some of this, some of this stuff. So the numbers themselves are horrendous enough. Four percent resulted in a summons or charge. Now that's not an outcome of conviction. That is just some means it's moved to the next level. And it 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 goes from reporting, you report something to the police, they don't necessarily record it for action for a variety of reasons. Uh, it, it's mainly about manipulating data as far as I can see it. Once it's recorded, it then couldn't end up after investigation, end up in charge or summons. It then goes to the CPS. It then goes to the court, possibly. And all these different stages, there's a dropout of. So you end up getting very, very low numbers from original starting point. Now, we know this is true of rapes and sexual assaults across the board. This is not just in hospitals. This is just standard for rapes and sexual assaults. But I want you got to ask the questions, given that, you know, hospitals, we've got CCTV, you know, where's the... Where's the, um, the the evidence? What investigation is being done on this? So lots and lots of questions coming out of these uh, statistics. So we have called as a result of it. We have called for um, better recording. Uh, you know who are the victims are the patients. They're not all. I'm pretty sure they, they they can't they cannot all be patients. So staff who's who are the alleged perpetrators? Are they also staff? Or are people just walking in off the street? Oh, I doubt that. That's a bit of a tough uh, uh, question. That I shouldn't think that. It's not opportunistic. Um, and there's, you know, there's not. We're not too far away from Jimmy Savile. Everybody didn't we think that was maybe Jimmy Savile was one of those who um, aren't in the UK might want to Google that. Um, particular um, perpetrator, uh, but it was fundamentally in hospitals and taking advantage uh, of, of of people, of and invul- vulnerable people. Um, so better uh, better recording uh, in order that those that have the power to do something about this and introduce proper safeguarding 
um, there needs to be a better interrogation of the data. And that's going to involve the police in a lot of um, uh, looking again at the, I, I have no doubt that they know the information, but it's just they can't do a very quick search on the records they have to get the information out. So there's going to be, uh, we're going to be calling on all police forces to be undertaking that work and looking so that we can get better understanding of exactly who, where, why, what these crimes are carrying out. With all the guidance we seem to have that the, the hospitals, private and NHS, abide, have to, have to answer to, uh, the policies promote something called sexual safety and well-being. Rather than safeguarding, they don't seem to be, uh, you know, exploring same, the, the same-sex ward issue. And is this making uh, people more vulnerable? Is there a big safeguarding requirement? We know that in 2010, the then Secretary of State for Health, forgive me, I can't remember his name right now, um, he there was docu- documents produced saying we commit uh, we're absolutely committed to same-sex accommodation for people in wards. People, women should not have to um, pass by a man on their way from their bed to the toilet. And it went on in some detail about the reasons why uh, privacy, dignity and security, same-sex wards had to be in place across. And here was the government, 2010, government commitment to this happening. However, there was an Annex B to that document and that Annex B said that if somebody came along and identified the gender different to their by sex, then they were to be accommodated in the appropriate ward. Now, with the increase, and in, that, that kind of went unnoticed, I think, for a long time, maybe Sally on the better, but with the increase in people in self-identifying, that's clearly making a nonsense of the policy that says you have to have same-sex accommodation. So that's one of the things we will be calling for. We're not Going to, we're not at the moment focusing completely on that because I don't want to detract from the main issue, which is that women, predominantly women, are not safe in hospitals, whether they work there or whether they're in bed there or whether they're visiting for um, to get their corns removed or, or whatever. We, we we just we don't know, and that is fundamentally the issue. And I don't want that sidelined. Although this is that's the, the annex B is a very very significant part. Of that. Now, um, there's, we've got a fabulous podcast, which is an interview uh, with Joe, who wrote the report, Joe Phoenix. So you go onto your podcast and look for Women's Rights Network, it'll come up and you'll see it. It was only last week, I think it was launched. Or you could go onto our website um, and you can look at our, our media channels. I think it's got the podcasts there. It is a really, really good listen. And she goes into quite a lot of lot more detail than I'm able to in this short segment um, about the report. And, she, and she's the author and she's professor of criminology. She's great. So it's a, it's a good listen. Um, I'm absolutely astonished at the response our report has had. We're not the first to have raised this as an issue. It's not, I can't say it's not been a secret, but others have raised it before. However, we, re- we released it on a Monday. On a Wednesday, there was a question in the House of Commons, in, par- in Parliament, to the Prime Minister about our report. On Friday, the Health Secretary 
convened a meeting of senior officials in the health service to discuss what they were going to do about this. Within four days, we had achieved significant action. Now, our job is going to be keeping on top of that, making sure action is indeed what happens. We can't, I I would hesitate, um, can't introduce knee-jerk reactions such as there's been a lot of talk about body cams. There needs to be a proper understanding of where is the problem that we need to fix. Same-sex wards, that could be a very quick one. We don't know how much of that they will fix. The issue with perhaps mental health patients, because of lack of funding and the closure of other mental health facilities, mental health or old people, demented people, are in hospital for longer than they should be. Is that part of the problem? But uh, without interrogating uh, these incidents a lot more, it's, uh, it's, it's finger in the air stuff. So we will be pushing local um our local groups will be pushing their police forces and their hospitals we already have a couple of meetings arranged with a couple of police forces won't uh, uh, say anymore don't want to disrupt any potential there we've got a couple of meetings with hospitals uh we've we've achieved that we're encouraging all our women to be raising this with their MPs MPs need to know about it and particularly in light of any discussions, parliamentary discussions we do get on Annex B, this will be a fundamental um, uh, document. Our report will be fundamental to hopefully any changes that come about there. Uh, so that's that's all I have to say. I said briefly at the start that I'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks to talk to you about Global Women's Day which will be on the weekend of the 7th, 8th of July. Some of you on here already know about that. So I'll come back and talk about that. And any questions, I'll talk about Women's Rights Network Canada and Australia and any other countries that that join us um, by then.